0: everyone, to RB1 Colonial Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by BigTees.com. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined, as always, by Just Clark Barnes and Mr. Class Jordan Smith. You guys, we are back. Whoo! It's been a week, uh, but maybe a needed week, because not a lot happens in the NFL, but now we can come back. We're rejuvenated. We're ready to go. Guys, how are we doing? Doing great, Pete. Relaxed. Rested. Good. good that's that's what the that's what the bye week is for is to fully get your energy back uh and come back fixated and ready to perform which we are we're at our peak right now our peak performance uh as a, a late 27 now
1: <laughs> oh geez i'm surprised you're even awake at 8 p.m central i know
0: i know now that now that I've uh, approached the twenty seven years of age, I uh, I feel my body telling me that you know what time you know what Peter, it's time to go to bed earlier, and maybe you should start walking with a cane uh, and uh, eating at five for dinner.
1: I'm, I'm gonna expect a lot more stories about your 401k, <laughs> and I'm gonna expect a lot more stories about people who are about ten to twelve years younger than you just don't get it,
0: and they're always on my lawn. Which is just, I don't understand why people are so, why my lawn is such a desirable hangout location. But it is.
2: What's uh, I mean, cool is that your your knee will be able to tell the weather outside too. That's a perk. <laughs> it's really, people complain
0: about how age is this horrible thing and how you never want to get old. But all I have heard so far are uh, bonuses for getting older. Especially the knee thing. I mean, hey, my knee's already <laughs> hurt. So it's great that I get to have a weather forecaster built in there
2: now.
1: Youth is great but aging is fine too. So I, I mean as the I guess resident old man of the podcast that it's fine. That's that's
0: Clark's flaming hot take for you is that being young is good and being old is also good.
1: So life I like to itself be div- is- as divisive as I can be. <laughs> you
0: know um excellent. Well, clearly the buy has not ruined our uh, our fervor for random discussions. Um we have some good nfl stuff on the docket for you we've got obviously start with the news uh including a a little old news i understand but a certain running back getting suspended for the, to start the season as well as suddenly now uh, al michael's will uh, not have to make subtle hints at his gambling addiction um and then we're going to talk about positional groups in the nfl that uh we'll step into fantasy relevance this year and maybe some that will step out and then finally wrap it up with maybe a little impromptu kudos and pudos because really i just want to talk about the boston celtics and how we're currently up two one against uh 2-0 against the cleveland cavaliers so suck it lebron uh but before we suddenly turn this into a basketball podcast let's talk a little uh, news So like I alluded to at the top of this show, Mark Ingram uh, is the running back that has been suspended for the first four games of the season. And I believe it's just a PED uh, suspension. So obviously that shakes up the Saints backfield. This news broke last week uh, when we did not have a podcast. So we are retroactively talking about it now. Uh, The first question that it raises to me and either one of you feel free to take the take a run with this. um, Does this negatively affect Alvin Kamara in your view? I know a lot of people assume that this is going to have a a wonderful positive effect on Alvin Kamara in his usage, Um, but something tells me that maybe we all shouldn't be so sure that Alvin Kamara can come in and be quite as effective now that he will be the number one back as opposed to uh, a part of a one-two duo.
2: Ultimately, I think it was better when they had the one-two punch. I think that's part of the reason, as a rookie, Alvin Kamara was able to be so successful and not hit a rookie wall like Kareem Hunted in Kansas City. Um, so without Ingram there, he's only suspended four games, right?
0: Yeah. Quarter yeah, of the season, it,
2: though. That's yeah. math for you, for all those at home. <laughs> 25% of the season. 25% of the season. I, I think it will it will hurt him slightly. Um if they can get somebody who can uh grind out tough yards though, um, you know, whether that's their rookie running back Boston that they just drafted or um search for it somewhere. Cause I saw another story earlier this week that Sean Payton wouldn't rule out an Adrian Peterson reunion. Adrian so. Peterson wouldn't rule it out either.
0: It's <laughs>
1: happening. No, it's it's no. happening.
2: No. Which it's perplexing to me, honestly. But um, yeah, I think Kamara owners and Kamara fans might be a should be a little bit hesitant in just giving him, you know, the offensive player of the year because Ingram's already missing four games.
1: Yeah, I I think this has no effect on Kamara because he was so good last year. I think they're going to continue to use him like they did last year. I think a lot of the smart money is on Kamara already taking a little bit of a step back because he kind of had a run. For granted, a much longer stretch, but kind of that Deshaun Watson run where he was doing things that we have just not seen someone do ever. And usually those guys come back to earth. It doesn't mean that he's not going to be fantastic and that he's not worthy of a first round pick. But I'm glad that this is happening because it's allowing the discussion of pumping the brakes to happen a little bit. I don't think it's going to hurt him. I think they're still going to get him the ball. I think the person that this helps is Drew Brees early because they're going to have to make the production up somewhere. And Drew Brees is perfectly capable of getting Michael Thomas two or three more catches a game.
0: That's a really good point that that I don't think – I mean, I think a lot of people have been fixated on how this impacts the backfield, but you bring up a really good point that this is a huge thing. I mean, Drew Brees is a phenomenal quarterback who can handle himself. And so now through these first four games, that production is going to have to come from somewhere. And someone like Michael Thomas or uh, uh, Cameron Meredith, who they who they snagged from the Bears, uh, could now have a lot more fantasy relevance or even, dare I say it, the never-aged never uh, Benjamin Watson, who somehow is still button around
1: in the league. Um could yeah, I some- think the I think the reason that Drew Brees wasn't great last year is because he didn't have to be. Right. And so they may Indeed. need a little more of these first four games.
0: And not even great. I would say productive. Drew Brees was yeah still great. But yes, but you know, he would, did not have to be as productive as we've traditionally seen him because of the fact that they had Ingram and Kamara. And maybe we see during their first four weeks or even the whole season, a regression a little bit back to the Saints offensive old, which is Drew Brees chucking it all over the field. And then, you know, uh, and with a running games interspaced here and
2: there. I will make one more point is that Kamara had a great year last year. Um, he was on the field a lot. He got a lot of all purpose yards, but. On the other side here, there's just a full season of tape now of Alvin Kamara. So it'll be really about how uh, this young running back adjusts to other teams adjustments after they've been able to watch a full season of his uh, game tape in the off season.
0: Very true.
1: Yeah, and that, that is a fine point. But even though I'm saying I'm glad we pumped the brakes a little bit on Kamara, I've been watching a lot of game pass because there's nothing else to do. And he just glides until he needs to run past everyone. So I'm still very excited for the Saints backfield. But yeah, you know, it he was just so good last year. It's, it's, it's kind of silly to just expect him to just do that again. That's really tough.
0: Right. He'll, he'll have some slight regression, but I think – I don't think – it seems like we are uh, around the consensus that the Mark Ingram suspension will not uh, maybe hurt him as much as it possibly could.
1: Yeah, it sucks for the Saints. It sucks for the Saints. Good. But they'll, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be
0: fine too. I think I'm actually really starting now to buy into Clark's uh, by Drew Brees. I like that a lot. Moving on in the news. It's legal now, you guys. We can now gamble. We don't need to talk about it behind closed doors or, or big blackout curtains. I won't pretend to be someone who partakes in these things. I guess DFS, technically, you could call that a form of gambling. Maybe um, is the world now a totally is the sports world now a totally different place for you, Clark?
1: No, and I'm going to try really hard <laughs> not to go full on. Barnes has had a couple of sauces before the show, ranting here. So just give me the signal after 10 minutes i will Uh, never
0: give you that signal
1: okay well good that's why we get along uh so for those that aren't caught up in the situation i'll give a, a quick summary of what happened uh so in 1992 the federal government passed a law saying that states are not capable of passing laws to regulate or allow gambling other than certain states that already had it like nevada and oregon and some odd states uh The Supreme Court heard a case brought by a bunch of New Jersey casinos saying, like, the federal government has no authority to tell us that we cannot do this because the Constitution doesn't outline that the federal government has the authority to do this. And the amendment that gets most run over by the federal government is the 10th Amendment, which says, unless this document specifically says that the federal government has the authority to do this, it does not have the authority to do this. And this is one of those areas where the Supreme Court found the federal government has overstepped its bounds, telling states that they cannot do something. Now, you younger fans or you fans who grew up in the 60s may know that our federal government regularly likes to tell states what they can and cannot do with things like gay marriage and marijuana and things like that. So really happy that the Supreme Court found you have no authority to do this and there's no reason why this law should be in place. And so they struck it down. Now, the smart money that I've heard is saying, and this is really irritating, that states can now legalize sports gambling. And since we have all decided that we have to ask our government what is legal, that's probably what's going to happen. So over the next two, three, four, five years, we're going to see states either put up legislation to kind of regulate it out of existence or to allow sports gambling. Uh, What I think is going to happen before that, though, the smart money is the federal government will come up with regulations under the guise of they do have the authority to regulate interstate commerce. So like if I wanted to call into Nevada to make a bet, I'm in Texas, that's Nevada, that's business across state lines. Our federal government does have the authority to regulate that. So I think we'll see something like that. Legal mumbo jumbo aside. I love sports betting, and I do it, and it's exciting. I don't do it for a lot. like I'll put 10 bucks on a game, and, and it's not? fun. It just sweetens the pot a little bit, and I think that we're moving in the right direction. I think we're going to have a lot of great sports betting content come out, and I think it's just going to make people even sharper fans. So I'm really excited.
0: The one that I'm super excited for, and Jordan sent this to our, uh, our Slack uh, Slack channel. Oh, so good. So good, and this is and and people have alluded. Some people I've listened to have alluded to this, where because I think they do this in the Premier League. I think this is something that comes straight from the Premier League, where it's yeah. you can bet middle of the game, and so it's just on an app, and it's just like you know who will score the next goal, and you can bet right there on your phone during the game. Um, and so, to me, that is that is a natural step that I think it will take. Um, and I think it should take, cause I think like Clark said, it, it sweetens the pot. It makes it pretty fun. Like if there's a scenario. So the the thing that Jordan sent to the sn- Slack channel, which we'll tweet out, um, was, was Blair Walsh's field goal against the Seahawks and the Vikings, um, in the playoffs, whatever that was two years ago. And it was just like, and it was just, will the Vikings F this up? No was plus 500. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yes, was like minus 5 million or something like that and it's like if you're a fan in the stands and you're like you know what screw it i'll put 10 bucks on whatever those odds are to say yes the vikings will f this up because it's the vikings and suddenly now you're you're making uh sweet money uh, that's the kind of i think that's the level of involvement that i would partake in if in sports gambling i don't think i don't think i have the necessary like uh wherewithal or or drive and ambition to be like get ahead of a game and be like all right i'm gonna look at all of these games and i'm gonna figure all my shit out and put my bets in i think i would be far more of the like middle of the game there you know some crazy prop that comes
2: up it's like
0: will they miss this field goal and you're like sure i'll throw
2: five bucks on that why not i, I will say that in-game gambling is literally one of the best things that you can possibly do um it's just so much fun one of my greatest gambling moments was uh doubling down on the patriots in the super bowl when they were down 28 to 3 oh. that was a nice and beautiful payout and everybody should be able to just root for small things like that like i am not a patriots fan i had no uh no stakes in that Super Bowl. It was Falcons versus Patriots. I really don't care about either of those teams either way. But that made it interesting to me, um, and that's what gambling can do. I know the NFL is worried about the integrity of the sport or what have you. They're they they've, they're old archaic money. So hey, let's
0: uh, let's talk to the NBA about that. Let's uh, yes,
2: let's, let's ask the NBA how they handled that. The, uh, M- the NBA and M- MLB have been the ones that have been turning a little bit more towards open gambling. Um, I will say, I don't know anybody who doesn't play fantasy football for money. I mean, shout out to you if you play it for free and for the love of fantasy football, but (laughs) I I need there to be a pretty sweet buy-in for me to partake. Which
0: is basically, I mean, DFS is basically gambling. It's you're picking, it's not with prop bets, it's just you're pick, you know, you're building a lineup that you think is succeeding and you're winning money because of that. I I don't really necessarily see the difference, um, but I guess there is some legally. Don't ask me why.
2: Yeah. Some states already are going to have legislation like locked and loaded. Um, I believe like Pennsylvania and obviously New Jersey because they uh, battled the thing. case and like random states like Delaware. Um, I was listening to the Bill who, Simmons who podcast.
0: Sorry to interrupt, but who here even remembers that Delaware is a state? I'm sorry. The what is it? world
1: state? World, man. <laughs> Hi. World. We're in <laughs> Delaware. so I always remember. Never forget. <laughs>
0: The only reason to remember Delaware is because of Wayne's world. Continue, Jordan. Sorry. Uh,
2: I was just saying, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast and he was talking about, um, I believe, the the Olympics in 2012 in London um, because they have legalized sports gambling there. And he said you could go into like convenience stores and place bets, um, you know, like you're buying a lottery ticket. Uh, So I think that's something that could be a big game changer, especially for, um, you know, state economies.
1: No, I have a couple more things. Yes. Uh, So you mentioned that, you know, in, in England and in other places, sports betting is totally legal that, you know, bet online is a huge sponsor of premier league teams and German teams. And you see it on their jerseys all of the time. There's really cool prop bets of like, who's going to score the next goal or like, will there be a yellow card in the next 15 minutes? It makes it super fun. and, And you can do it for like five bucks or 10 bucks. It's not like you have to throw down a ton of money. And, soccer is fine it hasn't ruined the sport and it's been going on like this for forever so the idea that the nfl is trying to protect the integrity of the game for this is just absolute horseshit it's the same thing that they did with these ticket exchanges uh, aka legalized scalpers they thought that was terrible until they all decided like hey you know what nfl we'll give you a few million dollars a year if you just bike down and 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 that's what they're trying to do okay yeah that's what they're trying to do here. They're going to get a cut. They have an incredibly powerful lobby. And that's why I believe that the federal government is going to help us all out by regulating this for us. And they're going to make sure that the NBA and the MLB, they get their money. And, uh, And and the last thing that I will add, though, even though I love sports gambling, just to head it off a little bit, like when DFS first came out and you remember the big online poker boom, a lot of people thought like, oh, man, I'm good at this. I'm going to become a millionaire. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) You're not going to just enjoy it for what it is. Don't ever bet money that you can't that you wouldn't light on fire. But I love gambling; it's fun. But but just don't think you're going to become some fucking sharp overnight because you like hit three bets in a row. So just a word of caution. For just all a word of caution. All me. my friends yes. out there, you know. Yeah, that's
2: the best rule of thumb: never gamble away more than you're willing to lose. I like I like Clark's light on fire. That's that's what I'm going to live yes. my life by now. <laughs> never bet
0: away money that you wouldn't want to light on fire. Because maybe you just maybe you have like this old tattered hundred dollar bill just in your pocket, and you're like, you know what? Basically, the best thing for me to do is light this thing on fire, and then you're like, "Well, I can now gamble a hundred dollars."
1: Well, I mean, when you're sitting in the sports book in Vegas and the game's out of hand, but you're still covering that ten points, and the other team trots their field goal kicker out there, you're literally watching that hundred bucks you, that you put is on fire just poof.
0: That is the nowhere. that is the most attentive you've ever been at a field goal. You're like, "Oh my god, I need to know all the stats about this kicker. Which way's the wind blowing? Has he missed a kick late yet?" Oh.
1: Ah! but it also makes it fun. Like people are cheering like, yeah, they only lost by 12.
0: It suddenly gives Browns fans, uh, uh, something to hope for. Oh, Ooh, burn. Got him. Except for the fact that maybe the Browns might not be the worst team in the NFL anymore. Ho -ho! um, all right. Last bulletin on the news, Jordan, this is just for you, but it's really for everyone here, but Jordan, I think you're going to find this particularly enticing. Uh, interesting thing to see, uh, Jason Witten, now that he is retired and is becoming the voice of Monday Night Football, uh, I guess in some interview because I didn't do enough backstory. I saw the headline and I was like, "I'm going to run with this." God forbid I actually read the article and get enough information to like give you a full succinct image of what's happened. But anyways, Jason, Whitten, I feel
1: like I seen it on Twitter is enough. Is
0: <laughs> I saw it and it's true. Uh, Jason Witten thinks that Des will end up playing for the Packers. Jordan, residence Packers fan.
2: Thoughts for so what Jason Witten basically said is that th- that would be his best choice. This is kind of uh Witten going into uh football analyst mode and kind of it's not really like James Jones where Jason Witten heard personally from Des Bryant that Green Bay was an option. Uh, for the Packers, their top priority right now is just signing all of their rookies, um, which they're actually starting to get done pretty quickly here They just
0: Jar- signed Jari Alexander?
2: Yeah, he just got oh, his contract. Um, I believe if they sign everybody to the the contracts that they're supposed to get, that they'll have around thirteen ish million dollars to play with. So that's something that could be interesting. Um, honestly, I think it's Des Bryant's best spot to go. Um, he he's a receiver that he still got a lot of talent, but he really does need a quarterback that can put the ball on the money like wherever Des Bryant needs to get the ball, whether it's a back short shoulder throw or a deep fade. And there's no better quarterback in the NFL than Aaron Rodgers and putting the ball on a good timing route right where it needs to be. So that's been saying it for a couple of weeks now. Des Bryant, come to Green Bay. We, we will accept that you caught the ball if you signed with Green Bay. <laughs> Ooh,
0: that is a big statement. That's bold right there. I have nothing to add. I think, I think I agree with you. It, it would make a ton of sense. I'm just, I was just interested that Jason Witten said it because I do feel like I think he is trying to make that transition to being like now a sports broadcaster and, and giving his opinions on things. I also just can't help in the back of my mind think, Hey, you know what? Those guys played together for whatever, seven years. Um, know, yeah, Jason Witten might know some things. So there you go.
1: I think this story is a lot like the Des Bryant situation. Like, So maybe Jason Witten said something because he knows something, or maybe Jason Witten said something because ESPN was like, Hey man, we could really use 25,000 clicks. Could you say something salacious for us? And he did. And with Dez, like he has been so fantastic, but he has not been for two years. So is he really good or was he just hurt? And man, I know I'm supposed to have hot takes because this is a fantasy podcast. I have no idea what to think about this whole Dez Bryant situation.
0: Yeah, it's, I'm still, st- I forget that he's still a free agent. Like I just like today when I saw that, I was like, Oh shit, Des Brian is still on the open market, but he is. So again, we'll be curious. We'll be curious to see where he lands because there's a lot of different locations that he could end up with. That would be good for him. But, uh, but there does not seem to be a giant pull uh, for him. So there you go. There's your NFL uh, news. For the main event of today's podcast, we're going to look over the NFL, and we all have different position groups um, that we think will step into either into fantasy relevance this season or step out of. I guess we have one of each. Um, And so to set the stage an example that just kind of to to give you guys an idea of what we're thinking so like the new york giants right new york giants backfield has been a fantasy wasteland for the last few seasons um but that is obviously going to change this year with the addition of saquon barkley and underrated uh jonathan stewart i think jonathan stewart's actually going to have a role on that team so uh so that's basically kind of what we're doing we're taking a look at positional groups on different teams that have that will either suddenly become fantasy relevant we think or ones that have been fantasy relevant that we think are going to take a step back and that's just general this is just generally something to think about i always like to do this in like the later rounds you know you'll see the first or second receiver of uh you know a, a kind of b list team in the 10th or 11th round and it's nice to kind of feel like all right well which team do i feel most confident in that that receiver will actually give me some production so uh who wa- let's start with the positives we'll start with which which uh positional group we think is going to be fantasy relevant this year uh who wants to start us off who's feeling extra positive right now
1: yeah i'll, I'll be the homer here Excellent. uh and 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 positive so i think that the the texans running game is is going to really improve this year Uh, they spent a lot of they at least spent a lot of effort on the offensive line (laughs) they've signed a lot of guys who are kind of cast offs from other teams who have flashed in the past and the guys that they're replacing are known to be bad commodities Uh, hopefully Deshaun Watson will come back and you know having a, a running back and a quarterback that can both chalk up a lot of yards is great. We've seen it in the past over and over and over that rushing quarterbacks help the running backs. They have two relatively talented backs with Lamar Miller and Dante Foreman. That's going to be the headache is trying to figure out maybe which one does what when we're drafting. I think, you know, week seven, eight, nine, we'll probably have a much better idea, but I'm really excited for the Texans running game this year because of the offensive line. Miller and Foreman are both going super late. So one of those picks is going to make you look really smart, and the other one won't.
0: And I also think that as a tradition, as just a natural game planning, if my second sophomore quarterback was coming back from ACL tear, I would help ease him into things by really establishing the run to begin with so that he is, the pressure is off of him. The ball's not always in his hands so that you have something for defenses to worry about other than defensive linemen just pinning your ears back and and rushing him as hard and as fast as they can. I would like to finally see something out of Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller has been that guy who's always kind of flirted with fantasy relevance or like, I shouldn't say relevant fantasy stardom. Uh, in the couple in the last couple of years, I guess it's been fantasy relevance. But he's always, I always, I always feel like he's been flirting with that kind of being like, ooh, this is someone who you could take in like the sixth or seventh round and look like a stud because he suddenly is now a top ten running back. Um, but he has yet to kind of piece it together. So if this is the year that he pieces it together, or he loses out entirely to Devonte Foreman, then Devonte Foreman is your guy for moving forward.
1: Yeah, Lamar Miller is just fine. So if he gets. A giant workload, just like two years ago when he got a giant workload under Brock Osweiler. He was a fine starter. And if he was your flex or your second running back, he's fine. And I keep using the word fine because he's not going to like break out and light the league on fire. But in a potent offense, he can get you eight touchdowns and a thousand yards.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if that um, offensive line gels together, uh, you have Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Deshaun Watson can run some really good run pass options uh, with Lamar Miller. So, or um, Deontay Foreman, either one. I, I think that's going to be a, a group to keep an eye on.
0: Uh, I'll go second. I have for my most improved or positional group that's stepping into fantasy relevance into the spotlight, the Ravens wide receivers and the Ravens receivers in general. Uh, We on this podcast and just the general people in the football world have spent a lot of time over the last few years mocking the Ravens and their receiving core and rightfully so, Uh, especially in fantasy. They have been. Mike Wallace had, I think, like one good year. But other than that, they've been a pretty much of a fantasy desert. Um, They completely reconstructed that receiving core, added Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed, John Brown at receiver, and then also in the draft, Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews at tight end. Obviously, you're still relying on Joe Flacco as a quarterback and to get the ball, but guys... How long will that last? I mean, they've got a much better quarterback waiting behind them. So, um, but regardless, regardless who's playing, who's playing quarterback there, uh, you now have three receivers who, who actually have all experienced pretty good fantasy success. Crabtree gives the Ravens a veteran receiver and a red zone threat. And he has had in his time with the, um, with Oakland, with the Raiders, has been uh, has had plenty of fantasy success, spe- specifically in terms of touchdown receptions. Willie Sneed had two very productive seasons uh, in fantasy with New Orleans. I shouldn't say very, I guess. He was wide receiver 35 in 2015 and wide receiver 36 in 2016. Both of those, that's a good flex option. I mean, I'm happy to take that. And then the one that I totally forgot, and I know points the kudos to Clark here because Clark when this signing happened was all on his high horse about how great this this get was for the Ravens and how it was going to completely change their offense John Brown was a waiver wire darling two years ago he was wide receiver 21 with a thousand plus yards and seven touchdowns so I mean who knows what he can bring to the table but clearly he's got talent and speed and, and can do something for that offense and he got two rookie tight ends that you can throw in that's nice bottom line. Uh, all of those options are much better than Mike Wallace, Jeremy Macklin, Michael Camapanari. That's right. He has seven R's in his name. Hent Griff freaking Whalen. That was the receiving core last year. So I feel much more confident in this Re- Ravens receiving core this year. Uh still questions rely on Joe Flacco, but if I see any of those guys in the in the later parts of the draft, you know, I'll take a flyer on them. I'll see what happens.
1: I my only comment is I have a crappy headline for you if you want to write this up. Ravens wide receiver core fantasy desert to fantasy desert question oh. mark.
0: Gotta have that question mark. And that word play. Oh, maybe I'll just not even write an article and I'll just write that title and then just see how many clicks it gets without even having content in the article. Who says no? ESPN would love that shit. Just all in the comments. Just all in the comments. <laughs> Just have just have the fu- whole body of the article just be in comments. That's
2: beautiful. That's the that's the future of sports journalism. I agree, though. I, I think it um, their receiving core it'll it'll live and die by whether or not Joe Flacco performs well, because um, that means Lamar Jackson gets some nice rookie reps in there. But if not, the other thing that this could do is Baltimore hasn't had a young quarterback that they drafted in the first round or really any round that could actually push Joe Flacco for that starting position. So this, not since the Super Bowl have we seen Joe Flacco actually care about football, and this might actually make it look like he's trying and putting in good effort again.
0: That'd be nice. It would be nice to like semi-feel reliable that Joe Flacco is going to put together a good performance and not just be Eli Manning.
2: I hope not, because I drafted Lamar Jackson in the first round of my Dynasty League.
0: Well, yeah. Well, let's also also (laughs) hope that Joe Flacco just falls flat on his face and Lamar Jackson takes over and reincarnation of Michael Vick and suddenly just leads
2: the Ravens to just a a phenomenally potent offense. What a great time the early 2000s were with Michael Vick playing in Atlanta. Yeah, and and he decided that dogs didn't need to live. (laughs) Jordan!
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's your most improved positional group in the NFL
2: for fantasy purposes? So three or four years ago, this offense was all the rage because they were being led by the sheriff himself, Mr. Papa John, Mr. Chicken Parm you taste so Good, Peyton Manning. <laughs> but since then, they've, they've literally had a like tackling dummy behind center out there in, in Denver, in this great Mile High City that I'm in currently. Um, but now they have Mr. Game Manager himself, Case Keenum, <laughs> can actually complete passes and get the ball to the wide receivers. Um, So I think the Denver Broncos receiver group is back. Um, They still have Demarius uh, Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. They didn't just decide to stop being good. It was mostly because their quarterbacks have just been awful the past couple of seasons. Um, They can still make a lot of plays. Emmanuel Sanders, um, if he stays healthy, he can be a an excellent slot receiver. And they also drafted Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton. Um, So they're just weapons all around. Uh, They finally drafted a running back who will probably be very productive. Royce Freeman. Um, They drafted Troy Fumagalli out of Wisconsin to play tight end. So they're just loading up on weapons after they went and got another pass rusher in the first round of the draft. So I, I think the, I think the Denver Broncos wide receiver group is back.
0: I don't know if if Demarius Thomas is ever going to be back because he's surprisingly old. Actually, I think he's like early thirties, which I was shocked by. Spoken like a man who just turned twenty seven. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, well, when I get to twenty seven, you start seeing people
2: decline. You know how age works. Well, um, isn't Thomas around the same like trajectory as like AJ Green and Jul- or Julio Jones, something like that? Maybe i I, I think green's like 31 now already no he's not is he really i believe so he he's all right let's quickly get our research team on this aj green podcast favorite he he ages like a fine wine though yeah he just gets better with age
0: um but i do think emmanuel sanders will benefit greatly from someone like um case keenum who can get the ball out on timing routes like i think Emmanuel Sanders is someone you get the ball in his hands and he makes shit happen, which has been completely missing from, from the Broncos offense with Brock Osweiler and, and whoever else Paxton Lynch, uh, Captain Morgan coming up behind center. So I do think that I think Emmanuel Sanders can definitely return to fantasy dominance. And I really do like Courtney Sutton and, uh, Deshaun Hamilton as someone's who as rookies who can come in and maybe make an impact, maybe not necessarily light the fantasy world on fire, but could be someone who could come in and, and kind of make a name for themselves for a couple, a couple games here and there and be someone you could snag off waiver wires. And I've already talked about Royce Freeman. I talked about him two weeks ago on our favorite landing spots. Uh, He has no one to compete with in that backfield. So I think it's the backfield is more or less his to run with. And he could do, he could do some work
2: there. Stats and research got back to me. I do have to apologize to AJ green. He'll be 30 when the season rolls around still that's old. Over the hill. Over the hill. I social I mean, security
1: I, number is six. I, I'll, I'll just, just think, to chime in to give some group consensus. I think Case Keenum, his entire career has had no fear throwing the ball deep and just throwing it to people and letting wide receivers make plays. And I think Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and, and hopefully Cortland Sutton are the guys that will do that. These I think these receivers are still good, and I think they've been hamstrung by bad quarterbacks. In case Keenum's not a fantastic quarterback, he may throw 40 interceptions, but he will also throw for 4,500 yards. So for fantasy, I really like that call. And
0: wide receivers don't care about interceptions. Interceptions don't don't matter in fantasy for wide receivers. I think I could see Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders be veteran receivers who you can snag in the middle rounds and will produce for you like a top 15 uh, wide receiver. I could see those guys being them who take that, who take that step from kind of forgotten commodities to suddenly very desirable. So good call, Jordan.
2: Sanders uh, is this the type of player that can get you a hundred catches. So PPR yeah. leagues. Yeah, exactly. No, that's it.
0: Jordan, Jordan, it's good. We have you on this podcast. You're a, you're a smart guy, smart guy over there in Denver.
2: I did my homework for this one. I was ready. <laughs>
0: Um, all right, let's do a negative loop around Clark. Let's start with you. What positional group do you think is going to step out of the fantasy limelight? Someone that a group that has been maybe more or less reliable in terms of fantasy production, but this year, uh, someone you shouldn't be betting on.
1: I hate to say this, and I'm sorry. The Kansas City receiving core is going to take a big step back this year. Oh, Pat Mahomes sucks. I know, no, he doesn't suck. He's just going to be starting for his first year. I know that we're excited about him. He looked great in the preseason in Week 17, so he looked great in the preseason, basically, is what that means. Even the best quarterbacks struggle their first year, and I know it's been... Really fun to bag on Alex Smith for the past seven years for being hyper conservative, but he had one of the most amazingly efficient quarterback years that we've ever seen last year, and it only sort of quieted the haters. So I just think I love Kelsey, I love Tyreek Hill, I'm really excited about Sammy Watkins. Did I get that right? Is it Hill or Cohen? I always forget which
0: Tyreek Hill you're right,
1: yes, nailed it. Okay, (laughs) I always. You know, I'm excited about all of these guys because they are so talented. I just think it's going to be real hard for Pat Mahomes to come into the league and throw 40 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, and 4,500 yards. So I'm just a little worried that they're all kind of creeping up and going a little bit too high.
2: I agree. I almost picked them just – by virtue of starting a young quarterback for the first time for a full season, they, I mean, they could have great games. Andy Reed has been known to be a a quarterback whisperer of sorts, but there are also just going to be growing pains. That's just the way it goes.
0: Yeah. I think, I think Travis Kelsey could be someone who gets way overdrafted um, because People have more or less resigned themselves to thinking that Gronk and Travis Kelsey are the only two uh, tight ends worth drafting early. That they're those are the consensus number one and two guys. Um, but and they Hunter, are Hunter Henry supplants think, Travis yeah. Kelsey this year. Yes. Yes, Clark. Yes, a hundred percent yes. I think Hunter Henry is going to be whoever take if you take Hunter Henry, I think you're going to be very, very, very pleased with him this year. Without Antonio Gates there weighing him down, uh, I think Hunter Henry has has the ability to step into that number two tight end role. Uh, because no one's gonna surpass Gronk, but Hunter Henry is is very good. Um, yes, Clark, good. Oh yes. Um I forget the rest I had to say about Travis Kelsey. I'm too, I'm too jazzed now about Hunter Henry and how he <laughs> snuck his way onto this podcast. Well done. So I'll, I'll go with my, with my disappointing cluster that is going to do it. And this is a group of people that I don't think anyone has the highest expectations for, um, but I think they're going to disappoint even those middling expectations. And that is the entire bu- uh, Bill's offense. They didn't do anything in terms of receiving core or running back, they didn't add anyone there. What they did is they got rid of Tyrod Taylor and replaced him with AJ McCarron and Josh Allen. Now, if you are, for whatever reason, just stumbling upon this podcast for the very first time and you're like, "Mm -hmm, but Josh Allen, they traded up to get him. He's a good quarterback, isn't he? Uh, no, we hate Josh Allen. I hate Josh Allen. Josh Allen has a long way to go before that. He, before he's even considered a serviceable quarterback in my eyes. Uh, AJ McCarron has been in the league at least and has played NFL football, but is he much better? Who knows? I just, I would not be surprised, honestly, if the bills don't have a single player in the top 15 at their position in fantasy. And that includes LaShawn McCoy.
2: Yeah. uh, We talked about this a little bit in the group slack about the, the bills uh, offense and quarterback situation. Uh, One thing I will note, just despite what mother, what other like preconceived notions you had about Tyrod Taylor, the dude could flat out put up fantasy points. He was a throwing threat and a running threat. And he's part of what made that offense really go is with um, his potential to take off and run. Um, That's why they're, running game the past like two seasons has always been really excellent um they also don't have cordy glenn playing uh in the tackle position anymore because they traded him away so that offense could be in almost entire rebuild mode serious doo-doo
1: i like tyrod taylor he's not great like i don't think he's ty god but the idea that he's not one of like that he's not in the top 20 of NFL quarterbacks is ridiculous. And so I'm trying to not get hyper excited about the Browns because it's the Browns. I think the bills are going to feel that loss. And Pete, I think you have the tagline for the podcast episode. AJ McCarron comma has played in the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) That's facts. I
0: mean, that's a win for AJ McCarron. Good job. Bills. Your starting quarterback has played before in the NFL. Well done. Um that's his greatest accomplishment. Jordan, what's your positional group that you think will take a step out
2: of the fantasy relevance? Lam-lat. Um, well, we touched on um this guy a little bit and the the group of receivers he has left, which is why I think they're gonna take a step back. Is Michael Crabtree going to the Ravens? So now I'm gonna talk about the Oakland Raiders and their passing offense last um or this coming up season. The Packers Faithful really love Jordy Nelson. Uh Aaron Rodgers really loves Jordy Nelson, but I think this is a, a situation where they let him go a year early rather than a year too late. He didn't have a great season last year. He hasn't had the same sort of explosiveness since he uh tore his ACL. Uh and they traded for Marcavis Bryant, but there is a strong chance he could be suspended for half the season by next week it's just something that could happen and i'm sorry i hate to say it i'm sorry to martavis i hope he does stay on the field for the entire season but you can't necessarily trust that he has a track record of just missing entire games for uh basically immature decisions um in losing crabtree they had amari cooper and uh, michael crabtree last year both completely healthy but they still weren't good like Amari Cooper had drop issues it's you know remains to be seen if he actually fixes that and I, I don't know Derek Carr's got to put some things together for me to really believe in the Oakland offense as a whole again and you also
0: can't help but notice that the entire offseason John Gruden has been talking about how he wants to go back to old school football and drafted multiple offensive linemen and is basically constructing this team to just run the football down people's throats and play defense, which doesn't exactly like lend itself to uh, a high fantasy production at receivers. Granted, this could all change as soon as they take the field. And jo- John Gruden has just been talking out of his ass, which I would not be surprised by. Um But the fact that from the get-go, John Gruden has been very vocal about where he wants to take the decade that he wants to take this team back to uh, does not really lend itself towards a a shit ton of fantasy production for the quarterback or for for wide receivers.
1: I think this will be interesting. I think that Carr is a good quarterback, and I think that the receivers that they have are good. They are going to have to piece it together. And thanks to the fake team stats and information team, who is constantly updating us throughout the they podcast. Are
0: just, they're just killing it right now.
1: Uh, the Oakland Raiders were absolute middle and yards in the NFL passing last year. So it'll be really interesting to see if they go above or below that meridian this year under the new coach.
0: And the thing is, it's like they were absolute middle and Jordan talked about this. I mean, how many times last year did we talk about Amari Cooper on the podcast just being a complete and utter letdown? He had two good games for you in fantasy and other than that was just complete garbage. And Michael Crabtree was the guy who is at least mildly consistent in terms of fantasy and he's gone now. And even Cordero Patterson had some fantasy relevance there. and Now he's gone in New England. Oh my God. I forget about that sometimes.
2: Yeah, I might have been spurned a little bit because I was expecting a big year out of Derek Carr last year, so maybe this is just a little lingering resentment. But it's what I, I just, is all about. I don't think that um, Jordy Nelson at this stage is cr- in his career and Martavis Bryant, he was dealt from a very uh, respected and storied franchise for a reason. Like, there's a reason they moved him.
1: I'm... <sighs>
0: Jordan, let's rag on on Martavis Bryant
2: more.
1: (laughs) No, Jordan, I'm like, I understand the take of this is a good organization and they moved on from this person, so there must be a reason. And the Steelers of a lot of teams get the benefit of the doubt on that one, but teams do stupid stuff sometimes. And I've seen Martavis Bryant do things on the football field that are just otherworldly. So maybe he pulls it together he has the talent. He's been a little bit of a knucklehead. Maybe he just needed to get out of that situation and go somewhere else. But that's true. I I am rooting for him. I'm not going to
2: like root for a player to just continually get suspended and not realize his potential, but it's a combination of that. And I've been a little skeptical of the, moves that John Gruden has been making this offseason just a little bit
1: yeah Yeah. I mean like giving people credit for things they they have done if I had to bet against the Steelers or for John Gruden uh, (laughs) my money on the Steelers but
0: (laughs) that's fair that's fair uh gun to your head who has a better fantasy season next year Martavis Bryan or Amari Cooper Clark
2: oh uh, Amari Cooper I'm taking the safe bet gun to my head I want to live I think just as an a team and as an organization you have to have Omari Cooper have a good year this year. Like he, he needs it more than maybe any receiver not named Des Bryant right now. It's fair. It's fair.
1: I was just curious. Just get in the sense of the room. But would anyone be surprised if we get fourteen hundred and ten on like seventy catches?
0: for Martavis and, and and Amari Cooper has like, you know, whatever, maybe the 90, 90 catches, but only for, you know, 903 touchdowns. Maybe it,
1: comes, it, it comes out that Amari Cooper and Julio Jones went on vacation together to like Venezuela and caught this horrible touchdown allergy touchdown down there. Allergy and terrible. they just, they're just never going to be able to get over it. This is, this
0: is why, this is why vaccines are important is because. We're going to have
1: to. We're We're going to
2: have to dust off the Derek Carr and Brett Favre comparisons, get them out of the back of the closet and bring them out for this year.
0: Oh, they're going to be primed and ready. Um, So there you go. There are positional groups that we think will be stepping, dipping their toes into fantasy relevance this year, but then also jumping out of the pool entirely. Uh, Before we wrap up, um, and like I said at the top of the show, kudos and pudos. I just want to do this because I want to talk about the Boston Celtics. Um, But do either of you have any kudos and pudos that you'd like to quickly share for the week?
2: Well, my kudos, um, I guess my kudos is going to be to a television network, which is odd, Um, but it's to NBC for saving one of my favorite shows, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, probably the most underrated 30-minute comedy on TV because it is great, and I was extremely, extremely upset when Fox decided they were going to cancel it. Um, I know a lot of people thought it was a little bit, political because last man standing is getting revived on fox and brooklyn 99 which has a really diverse cast is being cast aside but i guess there's there's a lot to do with um what studio is like producing the show and where it's being sold to a different network and all this other behind the scenes stuff that isn't really understood by the general public unless you do your research but NBC, thank you for saving andy sandberg and the rest of the brooklyn 99 crew it is a great show. Yes, I'm very glad it got
0: picked up for another season. Well done, NBC.
1: Clark, you got anything? I'm, I'm vacillating here. And you know, since I'm a part of this podcast and I love to make it about me, yes. uh, I have kudos to my boss who is leaving after two amazing years of service. And she is just the most amazing woman that I've ever worked for. And I know that means nothing to any of you, but that's my kudos for amazing bosses. Y'all are the best. Kudos to that.
0: Um, also, I will take that as a kudos to me, since you know. Oh, I wanna, Pete! I don't want to put it out there, but I'm technically both your puzzles. So,
1: Pete, I also got a letter from <laughs> Box Media this week. So, huge shout out to you, Pete.
2: Um, oh thank you, thank you thank you thank you you. know what we we don't hear enough about good bosses and we really should we, we hear about all the bad ones all the terrible ones but not enough uh, shout outs and praises to the
1: good boss- bosses of the world I think the
0: sequel to horrible bosses should have been good bosses and it's just good bosses it's
1: really boring they're like really good at developing <laughs> you <laughs> they're they really great
0: people just they're like really an hour Alex and a half you. of just like really productive and, and yes. warm workplaces that would be a great show
1: lots of like I feel like that's a really good idea but where we can improve it is just a lot of things
0: like that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so, so like I said, I just created, I just wanted to bring kudos and putos back so I can talk about the fact that this Boston Celtics team is currently up 2-0 against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are missing Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward. They have just been grinding this whole season out. Brad Stevens, after receiving not a single vote for Coach of the Year, is coaching circles around the entire NBA. Marcus Smart is fighting people. Marcus Morris is screaming in everyone's faces. This team is just amped and pumped. Uh, And even if, even if we lose the next four games and Cleveland just, you know, turns it around, LeBron does LeBron things, takes himself to the finals. uh, This has been an amazing season and I do fully love and appreciate everything they've accomplished this season. So kudos to them for for making the doing the impossible, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals and uh, currently being up
2: 2-0 against the
0: Cleveland Cavaliers heading to Cleveland. So maybe the sweep is there, maybe it's not, who knows, but props to, kudos to the Celtics.
2: Shout out to Al Horford just oh, yeah. quietly dominating. Just always, that's
0: how he works. That's how he operates. I was one of my favorite things two years ago when there was the whole, when the Celtics first signed Al Horford to a max contract, there was a whole group of Celtics Twitter that would just troll and just be like, oh, Al Horford's not worth a max contract. And I, one of my favorite things to do was just throw stats their way because they don't believe in stats. Stats ruin their point and facts and all that stuff. Um, and just and just tell them that they were utterly wrong and that Al Horford has always been worth the max contract because he's an amazing player.
2: So. Look, I love good offensive and defensive line play in the NFL, but for the NBA, I love a really, really good and efficient power forward. That's just just that's my jam.
0: It's just beautiful. It's beautiful to witness. So there you go. Uh, there's the kudos and pudos. There's a whole bunch of NFL talk, just a whole bunch of everything. Uh, it's been beautiful to be back that one week break. You know what? I think we needed it. It was just a nice rejuvenation. Uh, I personally put cucumbers on my eyes and now they feel just completely afresh and new. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and on stitcher either one if you have an iphone or ipod or believe in the whole apple world itunes is probably preferable for you if not stitcher go ahead or, uh, both. or do, both. Do both i mean you you could do both if you want to listen on both platforms and just really be that great uh rate and review uh make sure to follow us on twitter at rb1 podcast you can follow myself at pdm rogers follow Clark at nfl clark and you can follow jordan at jordan underscore smith 27 um I believe I got those, right? It's been a while since I've had to do this. And we will be back in your beautiful ears next week. Until then, peace!